Welcome to Church with Dad, the podcast that celebrates the ministry of a father whose life was drastically altered with a diagnosis of early-onset dementia. Unaltered are his timeless words, spreading the good news of faith, hope, and unfailing love, the things that are unchangeable, which will one day make all things new. Episode 8 of Church with Dad was recorded on March 16, 2014. The Gospel and Sermon are based on John, the third chapter. The Holy Gospel according to John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. For the last few weeks, especially during Epiphany time, we've talked a lot about the light. We've heard on Transfiguration Sunday and seen with the disciples Jesus being illuminated light pouring off him, 
his face radiating light and glory, so that so much so that people were shielding their eyes. Light, light, light. In the middle of the winter, that's a pretty precious commodity. But today, we see a change. This night has come upon Jesus as we see him and meet him sitting in the dark. And who should come to see him but one of the priests, Nicodemus. And the two are sitting, talking, in the dark. As I was thinking about how that worked out and what Nicodemus' reasons for making this rendezvous might have been, what he was looking for, what he was hoping to find, I came across a story from Barbara Brown Taylor I'm going to read it to you in pretty much full text. As with most such stories, it begins, Once upon a time, there was a woman who set out to discover the meaning of life. First, she read everything she could get her hands on, and in so doing, she became a very smart person. Nothing she read, however, gave her the answer she was looking for. So she found other smart people and asked them about the meaning of life. And their discussions went on for days sometimes, long and lively. But in the end, no two of them could agree on the same thing. And so still, the woman had no answer to her question. So finally she put all her belongings in storage and set off in search of the meaning of life. She went to South America. She went to India. She went to the Orient. Until finally, there in the Far East, she heard about a man. A man who, perhaps these people said, does know the meaning of life. But they weren't sure where he lived. Well, that was a lot of help. And so she kept going, climbing up the Himalayas, up into the high places in the mountains, because she finally was able to recognize and to find when someone told her that deep in this place, high upon the mountains, she could reach his house and showed the way. And when she got there, it was just a tiny little hut perched on the side of a mountain just below the tree line. And so she climbed and climbed to get to the front door. Her fingers were curled in on themselves with cold. And when she got there, it hurt for her to actually just knock on the door. And when she did, a kind-looking old man opened the door. The woman thought she would die of happiness. Yes, said the kind-looking old man who opened the door. She thought she would die of happiness. I have come around the world, she said, to ask you just one question. 
What is the meaning of life? Please come in and have some tea, the old man said. No, she said. I mean, no thank you. It's just I didn't come all this way for tea. I came for an answer. Tell me, please, what is the meaning of life? We shall have tea, the old man said. So the woman just kind of threw up her hands, gave up, and went inside with him. And while he was brewing the tea, she caught her breath and began telling him about all the books she'd read, all the places she'd been, the people she'd seen, all of the stuff that she had done. The old man listened, which was just as well, because he wasn't going to get a word in edgewise anyway. And as she talked and talked and talked, the old man placed a fragile teacup in her hand. She held it here like this, and then he began to pour the tea, until the tea ran over the sides of the cup as the woman talked and spilled to the floor in a steaming waterfall. What are you doing, she yelled, as the tea burned her hand. It's full. The cup is full. Can't you see that? Stop. There's no more room. Just so, the old man said to her. You come here wanting something from me. But what am I to do? There is no more room in your cup. Come back when it's empty, and then we will talk. That story is, I think, almost made tailor-made for our gospel today. In this sense that Nicodemus, and indeed you and me, and all who seek to know things about our lives, about our communities, always seem to forget that we need to leave room for the answers. We need to leave room for the right questions. When we do that, we find ourselves in a very different position. We find ourselves in a place where we are able to see and to hear, even in the darkness. There is a uh, phrase here that comes to mind, and it's from the psalm that we had this morning. We hear in that psalm that the Lord comes to us, that the Lord cares for us, watches over us, and does so 24-7. He preserves us from evil. He keeps our life. He watches over our every movement, not just today, but for all time. And all of this is God's doing. All we must do is look and listen and hold out our empty cup. I look, my eyes look to the hills. From where will my help come, the psalmist said. How many of us ever look really closely at the hills? How many of us look closely at the neighbor's? who live around us every day 
and see what they may bring to us in terms of help, as how the Lord is at work in their lives to be with us. Nicodemus came in the darkness, the darkness that he found himself in had to have been confusing. No flashlights back then. And Jesus was all about saying very confusing things, things that didn't seem possible. How could a man, how could we be born again? Can we get stuff back in our parents' womb, our mother's womb? only to be born again, it just doesn't make sense. And so much of our lives, especially when we're asking the hard questions, like, what's the meaning of life? Elude us precisely because we're so restless to get to the answer that, number one, we can't see who it is that is giving us the truth, namely Jesus, because it's dark. And we're not, we're so busy dealing with that that we forget about who we are talking to. We don't know who we're talking to, as that lady did. She clearly didn't see who that man who was pouring the tea for her was. And in so missing that clue, she misses everything. I see a lot of times this issue of darkness where we live our lives so often and so much. And I see it a lot in the faces of the people I visit in the memory care units around town. see it in family members of folks here. I see it in my own family, in my own parents. I remember uh, as the end was getting closer for my mom, she was still at home, but um, she would sometimes get a little agitated, and my sister, who took care of her during the daytime, sometimes her fuse got a little short um, with mom because she wasn't making much sense many nights where she was saying things that, words that weren't even words. And so when it got bad, she'd call me. Lucky me. And I was very blessed. Not lucky, but blessed in what happens. Happened those many nights when the sundowners would take over. And I'd come over and give Liz a break. And I'd sit down with my mom. And I want to say we'd talk, but it wasn't quite a talk as you would normally think of it. She would be someplace else many of the times. She'd be looking for the apartment house in Minneapolis that she grew up in as a little girl. She'd be looking for her identical twin sister and thinking she'd found her. And there was the, the question kind of arose after we'd be in there for sometimes a couple of hours and when I'd sort of get worn out and head home, my sister would say, well, what were you guys talking about? What were, you, what were you looking for? What were you trying to find? And 
I said, I wasn't looking for anything. I was just walking alongside her as we were walking down Hennepin Avenue out at the north end of Painter Lake. You all know where Hennepin Avenue is out there, right? We were in a real different place that time. But the fact was that that was where she was, and that was who she was. And in the process, I was hearing all kinds of things that I never knew before about her, about her family, about us, about who we were. And as that went on, I began, began to see that even without, when, with all of the signposts in her life gone now, her memory would no longer hold them, nonetheless, she still was living. And there were things going on. And the main point that was necessary was that somebody be around to hear them didn't have to be right. I could correct her and say, you, weren't, you didn't live on Hennepin Avenue. You lived way far away from there. I could correct her all night. It wouldn't make, that, that wasn't the point. The correction wasn't the point. The fact was that she was still talking. And to her, in her own way, it was making sense. And if I was patient enough, it would make sense to me as well. Sounds crazy, but it's true. And it happened all in the dark. All in the dark. I came across a, a sentence from somebody that I, it really fit this, and I think it fits the story of Nicodemus to a T. There's a woman in Britain right now who's working specifically with people with dementia, Alzheimer's, and memory issue diseases. And she does simply this. She goes in and she t basically writes down what they're saying. And then they collate them into a book that can be read back to them at another time. And what she's come to the conclusion is that for these people, and for all of us, I mean, we're all in the dark, aren't we? Certainly from time to time. And she came to this conclusion. She said, I very much believe that this is life that these people are living. As goofy as their syntax may sound, as their vocabulary may be standing upside down on its head. But she said, this is life and it is a life to be embraced. Only by engaging in the darkness do we see who we really are and glimpse what this life is. It's kind of a radical way of looking at things. That we're looking, to, if we really want to get the answer, if we really want to go up the hill, up the mountain, the darkness is where we can find what we need. We can see what life is and how it is to be lived. Susanna Howard continues to work at this task. She has um, a project called Living Words because what she sees in the words of these people who are, as it were, sitting in the dark is that she sees life and life abundant, life as Jesus speaks of it. 
and that these people are as fully engaged in their own way as you or I. And they have some things to tell us if we will be willing to listen. Will we be willing when we see them and hear them or become them? You know, I have to think with three or four family members with these diseases, there's a pretty good likelihood I'll end up in this lot as well. But... What is these words tell us is that we need not be afraid. What Jesus' words tell us is we need not be afraid. What the psalmist tells us is we will find help when we open ourselves and make ourselves available to look for it and to receive it and then to treasure it and to read it again and again because it is of God. Now, that sounds like a lot for a little cup of tea. But it made me think of these words. A cup of tea, never empty, always waiting to be filled anew, to warm the world and serve its God. It's in your hands. Amen.